So today, Vezat Hashem, really the daf is Kufei, which is the conclusion of uh, Iruvin, just the last Amud. So since we uh, we left ourselves a little more to do, so it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too short for uh, for for a morning. Um, the Mishnah Sheret Shenimtzah B'Migdashvan Kuf Dalit Amud Bet. The Mishnah there concluding with halachot that really don't have much to do at all with uh, the subject of Eruvin, but uh, tangentially with the subject of Shabbat. Sheret Shenimtzah B'Migdash. If they find the sheretz, the sheretz is one of the eight crawling creatures that um, are tamei, according to the Torah. There's some discussion about what exactly these are, how to identify them, but um, different kinds of lizards and other crawling creatures. Kohen motzi'o behemyeno. So the kohen should take it with, this, with his belt, should pick it up. He shouldn't touch it because then he'll directly be making himself tamei. But if he touches it with his with his belt or his sash, he won't actually become Tameh from that because a Kli could become Tameh, but it can't make a person Tameh. So if he picks it up with the Kli, he won't become Tameh. Because he doesn't want to leave the Tumah in the Beit HaMikdash. The, the point here is that it is, uh, it's Shabbat. So the issue is Mukteh. That this Sheretz, a dead Sheretz, a dead animal, is Mukteh for sure. Right? Now, so therefore, in order to mo- remove it, um, normally it would be Isur Dura Banan of Mukteh. But uh, it, then, yeah, also, but, um, but you wouldn't necessarily be picking up the lizard if it's alive. Why would you be picking it up? Here, we, it's dead and it's Tameh, so you want to remove it. <clears throat> You're allowed to violate the uh, Mukteh by moving it, but you, but you do it in a way that doesn't, uh, that doesn't make the person, doesn't make the Kohen Tameh, obviously, but will make his belt Tameh. Right? That's what Rabbi Yochan ben says. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, but shil et. He takes like um, pliers of wood. Because the law is that wooden, flat wooden kelim cannot become tamay. So if it's a flat wood and you have like pliers made of two pieces of wood sort of thing, you know, that you could pick it up with, that would be better because that way the kli won't become tamay and the person won't become tamay. But if you use your belt, then the belt is going to become tamay. So he says you should do that. Now, what's the difference between the two? Because Rabbi Yehuda is saying, even though it's going to take you more time, because you're going to have to find that tool to remove it. In other words, he already has the belt. So if he sees the sheretz, he could right away go pick it up with his sash, you know, the belt part of the, uh, uh, of the big day kiona, and run with it. But if, he, but if he needs to go find the tool, so that it's going to be there for longer. Right? Rabbi Yehuda is saying better that you leave it there for longer, but not make anything to me, not even the belt. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Brokha says, no, better to get it out as quick as possible. Mechan Motzino, so where do you bring it from? Rabbi Shimon ben Nanas. Rabbi Shimon ben Nanas says that this dispensation, this permission to handle the Muktse Sheretz, the Sheretz is Muktse, so normally you wouldn't be able to handle it on Shabbat, so this dispensation to allow us to handle it is only ben Aulam ben Amizbech. It's only between the, it's only in the, if you remember, when you come to the Beit HaMikdash, you're coming always the opposite of our synagogues. You're coming from east to west. You're not coming, it doesn't face east. Our synagogues faced east because we're to the west of Eretz Israel, right? In, in Beit HaMikdash, it's actually facing west. So the Kodesh HaKodeshim is the most west. So when you come up, Harabayit, if you come up to the, from the Temple Mount, you're coming up from the eastern side. You enter the Beit HaMikdash on the east side and you go, the further west you go, the more holy it is, basically. First you have Azara, where there's an area that the women come, that's Ezrat Nashim, then you have the, the regular Azara where the men uh, are, and then you have the Mizbeach, and the, and the area between the Mizbeach and the Hechal, which is only Kohanim are allowed to go in that area. And then the, the, once you come to this, the building, the actual part that's indoors, there's the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim, which have a roof, right? So we've learned about it many times. But what he's saying is that this, this permission to be able to remove the Sheretz is only 
from the Mizbeach and on. That's the only area you're allowed to pick up the Sheret that is Mukteh on Shabbat. Otherwise, you just cover it over. As we're going to see, you just cover it with a, uh, with a pot or something and you just leave it there and after Shabbat, you remove it. Okay, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Kol makom shachayavin al zidono karet v'ashigato chatat any place where you're not allowed to come into the Bet HaMikdash in a state of Tum'ah, where you would be liable for Karet if you came in on purpose, and if you came in by accident, you would have to bring a Korban Chatat, that's where you have to bring out a Sheretz, meaning the entire Bet HaMikdash. The entire Bet HaMikdash coming from, from, as soon as you enter the Bet HaMikdash, right? meaning anywhere in there that you're not allowed to come in in a state of Tum'ah, and you would be liable for coming in in a state of Tum'ah, you're also allowed to pick up a Sheretz and remove it from that area. So we don't have a special status to the part of the uh, of the Beit Hamikdash that's closer to the to the Kodesh that's on the other side of the uh, of the Mizbech. We we apply the same rule to the entire place according to Rabbi Akiva. Now Ushal Kola Mekomot and all other places, meaning according to Rabbi Shimon ben Nanaz, any place that is not in that foremost part of the uh, Beit Hamikdash, the westernmost part of the Beit Hamikdash, you cover over then Kofin uh You put over it a type of a pot. Okay, so that the, according to Rabbi Akiva, that would be mean like anywhere else on the grounds of the Beit Hamikdash, like the different chambers on the sides and stuff like that that we learned about when we learned about the structure of the Beit Hamikdash. Those areas, if they have an, uh, something that is tamei, then you just cover it. You don't have to move it on Shabbat. After Shabbat, you move it. This actually happened to be this past Shabbat, not a sheretz, but there was like a very large dead bug, like one of those spider. It's actually not a spider. They're actually like. Um, they're actually uh, a, a type of, uh, I forget what you call it. Yeah, a, a, a big thing. And it was like right in the middle of the kitchen. And I saw it in the morning. It was dead though. Wow. Right? So I just took a bowl. I didn't want anyone to be scared. Right. Wow. So I took a bowl, I put it over it, and I left it there. Of course, one of the kids picked it up. <laughs> they thought I, that somebody just dropped a, a bowl on the floor. You know, Whatever. But the point is they left it there. They left the Shabbat after Shabbat moved it. Anyway, but this, you can't move it. It's so therefore, what do you do? And you put a pot over it. So, so Rabbi Shimon Omer, Makom The areas that the rabbis were lenient for you, they gave you what already belonged to you. Because they only permitted you things that are Mishum Shivot, that are rabbinic prohibitions. Now, this is very vague. What does this mean? The Gemara is going to explain at the end what this means. We don't understand what it means yet. First, the Gemara is going to deal with the Machloket about removing the Tum'ah from the Beit HaMikdash, whether you do it as fast as possible or you do it with as little creation of Tum'ah as possible. If as fast as possible, then you grab it with part of the garments of the Kohen and Yurat. Right. If it's as to limit the amount of spreading of tumah, then you use the uh, the yeah the the kliets. So Amar of Tavi Bar Kisna, Amar Shmuel, Amachnista Mel Sheretz La Mikdash. If you bring tamei Sheretz, if you bring something which is tamei from a Sheretz, meaning you bring a vessel that has been made tamei from a Sheretz into the Beit Hamikdash, Chayav, you are liable for that. Just like if a person who is tamei comes into the Beit Hamikdash, he's liable for that. However, Sheretz at small patur, but according to Shmuel, very unusual. If you brought the actual source of Tum'ah in, it wouldn't be, uh, it, that's not actually a violation of a, uh, of a Mitamea Mikdash. Meaning, if without making yourself Tamea, you were able to bring the Sheretz into the Bet Mikdash, the Sheretz itself being in the Bet Mikdash is not the problem. It's a person who contracted Tum'ah from the Sheretz that's the problem, or a vessel that contracted Tum'ah from the Sheretz that's the problem. Ironically, right? That's the problem. So. What? No, only dead. An animal can never be tamay. 
unless it is dead. Any animal, the only animal that can be Tameh when it's alive is a human. Any animal, no animal can ever be Tameh when it's alive. It's impossible. No, it's not Tameh. A chazir is not even one of the Shemona Shratzim, but it can't be Tameh. Only a human being can be Tameh when it's alive. Even a plant can't be Tameh when it's alive. It has to be detached from the ground. Right? Anything can only be Tameh when it's dead, except for a person. Okay, so, that, so therefore, my Tama, what's the reason? The mitzvah of removing Tum'ah from the Beit HaMikdash, it says, from male to female, you should send them out. Meaning if a male or female Tameh person comes in the Beit HaMikdash, you have to send them out. This is in the beginning of, uh, it's in uh, the book of Bamidbar, right? It's in the beginning of uh, Parashat Naso. Right? Somebody who can become Tahor from going to a Mikveh. Meaning, something that became Tameh is not allowed to come in the Beit HaMikdash. But something that is the source of Tum'ah, there's no actual prohibition on that. And there's no requirement of removing it. Meaning to say, according to Shemuel, there's no actual mitzvah to remove a dead Sheretz from the Beit HaMikdash. According to that. Right? It may be not nice, it's, a, it's not kavod for the Beit HaMikdash to leave it on the floor, but it's, a, it, it's not actually any sort. It would be the same as if you have a dead mouse in the synagogue. Do you have to remove it? Well, it's not very nice to leave a dead mouse in the synagogue. But it's not, uh, it's a, there's no rule that you can't have a dead mouse in, in a place where you're praying. There's no rule, right? So, so it seems like there's support here, right? Because it says, Because it says that, uh, that what is It means that to exclude a klicheres, an earthenware vessel, meaning even if an earthenware vessel became tamay, you also don't have to remove it from the Beit HaMikdash. Why? Because only something that can be made pure from the mikveh has to be removed. And since a klicheres, once it becomes tamay, it can't be uh, brought to the mikveh. So therefore, you, you may, that maybe that's why Rabbi Yosei says that having a klicheres in the Beit HaMikdash that's tamay is not a violation. Is it the reason because it can't become tahor from a mikveh? So in other words, this reason, so we didn't get to the main connection to our Mishnah yet. But the point here is that Shmuel has an opinion that it's not the source of Tum'ah. In other words, the source of Tum'ah, it's not prohibited for it to be in the Beit HaMikdash. What's prohibited to be in the Beit HaMikdash is something that contracted Tum'ah and that could hypothetically become tahor again, such as a person such as a vessel that isn't earthenware. That's what he's saying. But it says, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily is that the reason for klicheres, the Gemara says. For klicheres, there's another reason. A klicheres can never become avatum'ah. Why not? Because to be an avatum'ah, normally to be an avatum'ah, you are the source of the tum'ah. Avatum'ah is the source. Okay. If you, uh, the only case where, let's say, for instance, a person could be an avatum'ah if they're a zav or zava or nida or yoledet, one of the categories where the tum'ah issues from their body or mitzorah, where the, where the tum'ah issues from their body, okay? If a zav lies on a couch, so now the couch also becomes an avatum'ah. That's called tumat mishkav, mishkav moshav. If he sits on a, sits on a chair, it can make the chair an avatum'ah. But that's not an, that's not a klicheres. Right, that has to be made out of other material. He's not going to sit on an earthenware jug. Would not count as a tumat moshav mishkav because it has to be something that's made for a bed, and you don't make a bed out of klicheres. So the, there's no. So the only things that could ever become, or sometimes there's a rule that that a, that a, a metal item could become tamei 
from contact with the dead body because it's a viavot tumah and will make the it, it extends its uh, its status of tumah to a to a metal item. So a metal item could be, but no, there's no case where klicheres can ever be avat tumah. It can never be the source of tumah, and it can never be an avat tumah. So therefore, uh, that's the reason why he's saying a klicheres isn't included. So meaning to say like this, that we're trying to, Shmuel was saying that his rule is that only something that can become tahor from a mikveh is subject to the rule that it's not allowed to go into the Beit HaMikdash. That would exclude a klicheres. That would exclude uh, a, a, the source of Tum'ah itself. You can't dip the dead sherets into the mikveh and make it tahor. It's not going to work. Now, Rabbi Yosei Aglili, on the other hand, might not agree with that idea. He might just be saying a special thing about klicheres, that since klicheres is incapable of becoming avatum'ah, therefore it is exempt from the rule of it not being able to be in the Beit HaMikdash or having to be removed from the Beit HaMikdash. But it could be that it's not a general thing that it has to be something that you can, uh, can go to the mikveh. Maybe that's not true. Maybe you would say that uh, uh, the actual avatum'ah itself could, uh, would have to be removed. Maybe he wouldn't agree with Shmuel. He would say, you do have to remove the sheretz itself. But since a klicheres can never be on such a high level of tumah, that's why you don't have to remove it. So we can't prove from Rabbi Yosef Lili that he agrees with Shmuel because we don't know why he made the exception of klicheres. But we know that Shmuel would make that exception because he's saying that anything that isn't, that isn't um, uh, it doesn't have a tumah that can be removed, that it, that it received and can be removed, doesn't have to get out of the Beit HaMikdash. So now what's the, what's the connection to our Mishnah? Like this, we could see a, a reflection of this in our Mishnah because So we saw in the Mishnah that there's a machloket according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Boka, if you find the dead sherets in the Beit HaMikdash, the Kohen should immediately use his clothing to take it out. Now, even though his clothing, the piece of clothing he uses is going to make the piece of clothing tamay, but we want to get it out as soon as possible. So that shows you that it's a mitzvah to get it out. As opposed to Rabbi Yehuda, who said, no, 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 go look for a kli'etz, go look for a wooden vessel so that you don't spread tum'at to anything. Okay, now what would the connection be here? Because my love, Bahaka Mipalgi, the Manda Marshal Lashot Kasavara Machnis Shares the Mikdash Chayav, or Manda Marshal Robot Kasavara Machnis Shares the Mikdash Patur. He says, isn't that exactly the Machloket? In other words, according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Borka, it's a sort to bring a dead Sheretz into the Beit HaMikdash, and it's a mitzvah, Tishalechu, you have to get it out. So therefore, as soon as you see it, you gotta get it out, even if it means that the shirt is gonna become Tamei from it, you gotta get it out of the Beit HaMikdash right away. And that would be against Shmuel. And Rabbi Yehudah says, no, 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 go get tongs that are wooden and use that so there's no tumah spreading, it's better. Right? He's saying it's not really a mitzvah to do it, it's just not kavod for the Beit HaMikdash to leave it there. It's just not a kavod to leave it there. But if it's, it's not such an, a, an emergency mitzvah that you should make more tumah while you're doing it. Just go get, you know, go and find uh, tongs and then take it out when, when you have the opportunity. <coughs> What? No, that's if you can't remove it. So if it's in a place in the Beit HaMikdash where it's not required to be removed at all. Right? So according to Rabbi Shimon ben Anas, only the, the removal, the being allowed to remove it is only if it's past the Mizbeach and up. According to Rabbi Akiva, anywhere in the Azorah, but let's say in the side rooms and stuff like that, where you don't need, there you just have to close, you cover it, yeah. So now, <clears throat> so now he says, No, you're wrong. Every, both sides could disagree with Shmuel. Nobody here is holding like Shmuel that it's okay to put a sheretz in the Beit HaMikdash. One is saying that what is worse, 
to leave, in other words, everyone is agree. Let's not say there's a machloket about this. Nobody holds like Shmuel. Everybody agrees you're never allowed, that, that you're not allowed, if you're not allowed to bring something that derived Tum'ah, that contracted Tum'ah to the Beit HaMikdash, you also cannot bring the source of Tum'ah to the Beit HaMikdash and you can't leave it there. But the question is, what's worse? To take more time to remove it or to spread more Tum'ah? So according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Boka, it's better to do it as fast as possible, even though it's going to spread the Tum'ah a little bit, get it out as fast as possible. According to Rabbi Yehuda, more important is not to spread the Tum'ah. So even if it's going to be there a few more seconds, better not to spread it. But everybody agrees that you must remove it. Not like, yeah, not like Shmuel is saying, ah, it's not really a mitzvah, which means it would really just be it's because of kavod or whatever. No, it really is a mitzvah. You have to get it out. It's just a question of what's... What, you, have, you have to make a calculation of what's the worst... Uh, uh, you know, there's going to be a side effect of it. Either you're going to have to leave it a little bit while you find tongs, or you're going to make this clothing to make to grab it with the clothing, right? That would be the machloket. Ela but maybe it's uh, these other tanaim here. Because what did we say? We said that the, that we have a machloket between Rabbi Shimon ben Nanas and Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Akiva, the entire the entire Beit Hamikdash. Meaning the entire azara and the roofed part, everything, it's all subject to the same rule. You must remove a sheretz from there, and therefore it overrides the laws of muktzeh. But according to Rabbi Shem ben Danas, only from the Mizbeach and closer to the Beit Hamikdash, closer to the Kodesh Kodeshim, which implies that it's not really about the tumah; it's really about kavod, right? Because what difference does it make closer or further away? Nothing. The entire place, you're not allowed to go in in a state of tumah. So if you have to remove tumah from that area, then you should have to remove it from the whole area. Rabbi Akiva would be right. So Rabbi Shimon ben Anas is saying it not about that, right? So therefore, that, that's what they're saying. My love, b'hakam b'palgid. The manda amar me azor alo kasavar machni shirat mikdash patur. Umanda amar me kula azor kasavar chayav. It makes sense. In other words, Rabbi Akiva is saying that you're not allowed to have tuman the bet mikdash, right? And and you're not even allowed to have the source of the tuman the bet mikdash. And that's and therefore all areas in the azor are created equal. What's the difference? They're all equally subject to the rules of tumah. But according to Rabbi Shimon ben Nanas, that you're only required to remove the sheretz when it's close to the Kodesh Kodeshim, so then that has nothing to do with the laws of Tum'ah then. Because the laws of Tum'ah are not more closer to the, Beit to the uh, Echal than they are in anywhere else in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash is all equal. You're not allowed to be Tameh anywhere in there. So if you, if so they were, it wouldn't make any sense to say, oh, only in the front, closer to the Echal of the Beit HaMikdash, uh, you have to remove the sheretz. What do you mean? If you have to remove Tum'ah, you have to remove Tum'ah. So clear, that would seem to be the Machloket. That according to Rabbi Akiva, there, it's about to, removing Tum'ah. So therefore, anywhere where the laws of Tum'ah apply, you have to remove it. According to Rabbi Shimon ben Anas, that you only remove it if it's in the front. So that means that it's not really about Tum'ah. It's really about the uh, uh, respect that is due to the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, now I'm Rabbi Yochanan. We, we can just move it to the, to the side that's Resoli. Huh? According to Shimon ben Anas. Right, you wouldn't even have to remove it all the way out, but I guess as soon as you pick it up, you, you're going to remove it out, you know. What do you yeah. Mean? yeah, because he says only this part, the holy... Only the front the, part the of the Beit HaMikdash. Part, so you just move it to the side. Right, but they wouldn't want to leave. I guess once they pick it up, they're going to remove it. Once you pick it up, you... Yeah, once they remove it, they're going to get rid of it. Yeah, I guess so. Rabbi Yochanan says, and according to Rashi, the flow of the Gemara here is, He's saying, actually, everybody agrees that you're not allowed to bring a sheretz into the Beit HaMikdash. The question is, They're arguing about whether you have to remove it. In other words, according to Rashi, up till now we've been assuming that if you say you can't bring a sheretz into the Beit HaMikdash, you also have to remove it if it's in there. Rashi is saying, no, now the Gemara is changing and saying, no, there's a difference. 
Just because everyone agrees you can't bring it in doesn't mean everybody agrees it's a mitzvah to take it out. Maybe it's only a mitzvah to take it out if it's because lo- after all you didn't do anything wrong that a sheretz died in the Beit Hamikdash. You didn't do anything wrong. So maybe the removal is a separate obligation and it only applies when it's closer in or it only applies when it, you know, that's the question, right? So in other words, everybody might reject Shmuel's position that, uh, you're, that, you're, that even bringing a sheretz in, there's no liability on bringing a sheretz in. Maybe they all agree you're not allowed to bring it in. Question is, if you find it, whether you're allowed to bring it out. And Rabbi Yochanan says, that's how Rashi interprets it. Tosfot says, no, the two things go together. And if you're not allowed to bring in, you're not, then you have to bring out. And, 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 that's, and he, he disagrees. But we're going with Rashi for now. So he says, they learn from the same Pasuk. He's talking about when they came to rededicate the Bet HaMikdash that had been taken over by the idolaters. Okay, in the times of Chizkiyahu. It says that they went into to the uh, to take everything that was in the hechal that was impure. Okay, lechatzer bet Hashem. It says that they took it into the chatzer. Vaykablo alviim, and then it says the the alviim received the items leotzile nachal kidron chutzah that they took it to nachal kidron outside, the, right? The kidron valley outside. So in other words, they took it from. The, now, actually, it happens to be that in this case they were taking idols out of the bet hamikdash that had been placed in there. But it's too. It's using the. It's we call the idols tamei also fine. So that so they're removing the tumah. So it says, From the fact that you see that they transferred it to the Levi'im. In other words, it says the Kohanim brought the stuff from the Echal, but they gave it to the Levi'im in the courtyard, and the Levi'im took it from there. So what do you see? You see that, He's saying that from the fact that you see that the Kohanim transferred it to the Levi'im once they came out of the Hechal, that shows you that there's no issue. Once you get away from the Hechal and you're in the main part of the courtyard, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So you could look around for a Levite to take it, right? It's not such a big deal once you have it in the area of the courtyard. And that would be like what Rabbi Shimon ben Nanas is saying, that only the area that's close to the Hechal is really the problem. But once you get out of that area where only Kohanim are allowed to walk, which is, you know, from the Mizbech, and, uh, in that area, only Kohanim are allowed to walk. Once they came out, they would look for a Levi to take it out. So they didn't have to hand it to another Kohen that he's also going to become Tamei and not be able to do the Avodah. So they would look for a Levi to do it because they were already in the Azarat wasn't a big deal. Okay? However, the other side says, no, it's not like that. Really, just as much as in the place of the Hechal, it's a problem to have Tum'ah. It's also a problem and you have to remove Tum'ah from the rest of the Azra. The only thing is that in the rest of the Azra, where Levim are allowed to walk around, so we allow the Levim to take it from there to minimize the amount that the Kohanim will be invalidated from doing the service by becoming Tamei. But that's not because there's less of a requirement to remove Tumah from that area. It's just because once you can do it, in a, when you minimize the damage to the Kohanim, it's better because less Kohanim will be invalidated from doing the service. Even that's though a, they're already, already they Tamei. Well, no, well, the guy who took it out is, is Tamei, but he wants to give it to a Levi to take out the rest of the way rather than another Kohen. Let's say the guy who's on cleanup duty inside, if he gives it to another Kohen, so now another Kohen is going to be Tamei. They say give it to a Levi, a Levi doesn't have to do the Avodah of the Betamei, it's okay. Or maybe he was doing the inside, so he was supposed to hand it to somebody. I guess they were doing it more effect, you know, more efficiently. So they had some people to take out people. So the idea was that they did it that way. There's two possibilities of why. Did they do it that way because the Levi'im can't shred in that area? So it was just that they can't go in that area. But once they, once they come out, they give it to the Levi. And uh, just to minimize the amount of Kohanim that become Tamei. Or is the reason no? Because actually once you come to the Chatzir area, it's not as strict. 
Right? And so therefore, they could, hang, they could hang around in that chatzer area waiting for Levit to come, that they would give it to because it wasn't so strict. If you interpret it that way, then that means that we're not considering it um, as, as serious of a problem. And that's why the, that's what Rashi explains here. He says, Ben nanaz savar mit ishtanei tumat azra mikoanim lalviim shema minat dechad ita bazra lo mafkina lebavira el madina nehetera. He says, well, you see that once you come to that courtyard area, we have less of an, it's less imperative to get the Tum'ah out. Right? And so too, if you found Tum'ah in that outer area of the Chatzer on Shabbat, you would just cover it with a pot. You would not carry it out because it's not as imperative to remove it from that area. However, according to Rabbi Akiva, no. The fact that they handed it off to the uh, to the Levi'im was just in order to, because the Kohanim, it's not because, the Kohanim didn't hand it to the Levi'im because it was less important in the Chatzer to uh, get it out. It was just because once they were in a place where Levi'im could walk, they wanted to minimize the number of Kohanim that became Tamei, that's all. Right? So I, so there, and therefore, according to that, even if you find something Tamei in the Chatzer, also you should take it out even on Shabbat. Right? That was, that was the point uh, between the two of them. Now, the Gemara goes on with the same th- uh, theme. Okay, Anybody can go into the Echal to build, to fix up. Let's say you have to fix up, you have to do repairs. You don't have to get a Kohen, uh, um, uh, construction workers, you know, to go in there. To remove Tumah, anybody can go in. It's a mitzvah for the Kohanim to do it. Right, you can all, anybody can go in if the purpose is litaken velivnot, if they're going in for a practical purpose, they're not going in for a service. Vidi vidi torit int main law, but we try to make only tahor people, not tamei people. Amar Rav Huna, Rav Huna said Rav Kahana misayak kahane. Rav Kahana, who was a kohen himself, liked to help out the kohanim, meaning he gave a teaching that prefers the kohanim, gives the kohanim. Bias. Preferred, yeah, preferred status. From the fact that it says that the person who is a balmum should not come. Into the parochet, you're not coming to the hechal. Lo yavo yechol lo yuvu koanim ba'alei momin nechnasin ben olam v'la mezbeach lasudik koy pachim. Maybe that means that the koanim cannot even come in if they're ba'alei momin. If they want to go into the hechal to put um, stuff on the walls, they had they they made like uh, golden tasim, uh, uh, like they put um, golden um, plate plates, you know, uh, around the the kodesh kodeshim and stuff like that. Maybe you'll say that a balmum cannot do that. It has to be somebody who's also uh, worthy of doing the avodah. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's what it's Talmud Lomar Ach. The word ach, ach el aparochet lo yavo is referring to how a balmum, somebody who has a defect, a bodily defect, cannot do the service. But chalak, it distinguishes and says that's only for the service. But if he's going in to do work, it's okay. Mitzvah bitmimim and shamtimimim nechrasim balei mumin. That it's ideal to send in somebody who is, uh, doesn't have a mum. But if the only person around who can do that work has a mum, let him go in. Mitzvah bitmimim and shamtimimim nechrasim tmein. If you don't have anybody to hold, you can send in somebody tamei. Idividi koanim in. But Rav Kana says, in all cases, whoever goes into the Hechal, whoever goes into the Kodesh Kodeshim, even if they're going to do repair work, they do it with Kohanim. Okay? Even if the Kohen, if they can get a Kohen who is Tahor and also doesn't have a Mum, that's the best. If they only have someone who has a Mum, that's okay. If they're, if they're Tahor, that's the best. If it's only a Tamei person, that's, that's okay. Right? You have two construction workers who come for the job. One is a Balmum. And one is Tamei. Which one should you pick? Okay, so it says, Rav Barashi Amar Rav, it says, Tamei Nechnas. It says, the Tamei person should go in. That is because we know that there are times when the law of Tum'ah is suspended. For example, if the majority of the community is Tamei, 
So then we say that the and the Kohanim are altmeim. They're allowed to do the service in the Beit Hamikdash even in a state of tumah for korbanot zibur for the communal requirements. They're allowed to waive the laws of tumah. We learned about it in Masachet Vachim. Rabbi Elazar says, no, it sh- a Balmum should go in because he's allowed to eat Korbanot. So it's very interesting. There's a leniency by Tum'ah that there isn't by Balmum and there's a leniency by Balmum that there isn't by Tum'ah. A Balmum is never allowed to do the Avodah, no matter what. Even if all they had were Balei Mumin, they wouldn't be allowed to do the Avodah. However, a Balmum is allowed to eat Korbanot. He's allowed to eat of the Korbanot. He's just not allowed to offer them. So on one hand, you could say a Tameh person has the advantage because sometimes a Tameh person is allowed to serve, like in a case where the majority is Tameh and they don't have any other option. They only have Tameh. Okay? On the other hand, uh, a Balmum has an, uh, has an uh, advantage because a Balmum is allowed to eat Korbanot all year round. Right? He's always allowed to eat the Korbanot, just not serve. So when you're asking a question of who would be preferable to choose as a bidi avad, a le, you know, less than ideal Kohen candidate to go in and do work and maintenance work in the Beit HaMikdash, you could make an argument for the uh, Balmum, you can make an argument for the Tameh person, because both of them have a leniency on their side. Now, Rabbi Shimon said something very weird at the end of the Mishnah that wasn't clear what he was talking about, where he said, uh, a place where the Chachamim are lenient, Mishel Chanatanulach, they gave their, they, or Natanulach, they gave you from your, uh, from what already belonged to you. What does that mean? Right, so he says, uh, Rabbi Shimon said, Hey, Chakai, what's he talking about? Hatamka, he's, he's referring to a specific thing, a person who was, Caught outside the tchum and Shabbat began. Afilu ama chat lo Even if he's one ama outside tchum, meaning he's at the two thousand and one amot line to get into his uh, normal city, he can't go. He's stuck. However, Rabbi Shimon Omer afilu chamezes He can go even fifteen amot further. So if he's at the two thousand and fifteen amot line, he could still walk in into his regular tchum. Why? Because the people who draw the boundaries are not so exact. Because they know that people are not going to be, are going to make mistakes. Right. So where, where you see that line of the tchum, that they would have like a line of the tchum, you know that you really actually have some more leeway past that, and therefore you can walk in. So it means that when they were lenient, they gave you what already belonged to you. Meaning, saying that you're allowed to walk into the tchum isn't because... Isn't because uh, they're letting you violate something. It's because actually you're not outside the tchum, yeah, no. right? Right. That, that, that's what I'm saying. They're giving you what you already had, right? Eighteen minutes of Shabbat. Right. Exactly. Like eighteen minutes of Shabbat. It really, you gave eighteen minutes extra to life, but they're not really. They're giving back to you what was already yours. Right. They're not really. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, they're not really um, uh, giving you anything new. Okay. Huh? In addition to it. Addition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit extra error. Margin of error. Yeah. It really is 1985 plus 15. That's what he's saying. Right. He's saying you're really still within. Yeah. You're still within it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. What looks like the 2000, you think you're getting a, a deal, but you're actually not. You're actually still within it, but it was, it's a trick. Right. They did it on purpose. Like it's like uh, it's like the markup on uh, product. You know, they they mark it up because they know you're gonna talk the price down. So it's really you really you think you're getting a deal, but it's imaginary. But you're still getting ripped off. You know, it's a, it's just a trick, right? So so he says, okay, the kamar tanakama lo yikanes. So Rabbi Shimon is so the tanakama says you can't you can't go even one amar. Rabbi Shimon says no. Let's be honest. We know that really belongs to you anyway. You know you're not really outside the tchum. It's not that exact. Let the guy go in. 
Okay? Now, what about at the end? That they only permitted something to you, which was a rabbinic prohibition. What is it talking about? What was he referring to there? Um, about something that we just recently learned. Because Tanakhama said, that if the harp string breaks on Shabbat, you can tie it. But, and Rabbi Shimon said, no, you can only make a bow. You can't tie a real permanent knot. Okay? Because aniva, if you make a bow, even if, no matter what you make a bow, it's never going to be an Isur Dewaita, according to most of the rabbis. It's never going to be Isur Dewaita, so you don't have any concern. However, but kshira, but tying, which potentially could be an Isur Dewaita, and actually, according to some Rishonim, the only requirement is that it be permanent, right? According to the Rambam, it has to be two things. It has to be uh, a, a kesher shel uh, the professional, right? And also kesher shel kayamat. It has to also be permanent. Permanent and also professional in order to be the oraita. According to Rashi, it's only permanent is required. It's only the permanence. So Rashi here says that since if you, if you allow the guy to tie the knot in the, in the, in the harp string um, and he ties a knot that's permanent anywhere else, it's going to be an isur de oraita. Right, even though, like we said earlier in the Gemara, this is following according to the way that Rashi interprets the whole piece that we learned yesterday and the day before. That if you that according to according to that, we're saying machshirim that things that are preparatory, instrumental to the avodah, are allowed on Shabbat. So actually, making a kli of you know, if if your heart broke on Shabbat, technically you could completely repair it, and it wouldn't be a problem. Right, but Rabbi Shimon is still saying that's true. In the Bet Hamikdash, for the sake of the Avodah, you would be able to repair it normally, and therefore you should be able to tie it normally. Even to do any sort of right, you should be allowed to because you're doing it for the sake of the Avodah. The only thing is, they didn't want you to do that because that same action, if you do it at home, it's an Isur Deoraita. They only allowed you to do the things that are rabbinically that you know that the rabbis only allowed you to do things that if you did them in the other context would also not be a violation. They didn't allow you to do something that in another context could be potentially a violation. So that's why he said that you can't, um, that you can't do that. He says other things that, um, that they allowed them to do in the, in the Bet HaMikdash, even if you did it outside the Bet HaMikdash, in other, like other examples that we've seen in these Mishnayot, they've been purely rabbinic rules. That, oh, if you did them outside the Bet HaMikdash, you're not allowed to, but it wouldn't be any sort of right outside, like putting on the, ba- the, the uh, antibiotic Band-Aid or something like that. That's for the Korbanot only allowed. It's only for the korbanot. They're not allowed to do that for themselves. Right. So that, that's part of the korbanot. But anything that they said that the rabbis wouldn't allow you to do this outside, but they allow you to do it inside the Beit HaMikdash, is only things that even if you did it outside the Beit HaMikdash, it would only be sur de rabbanat. But anything that they allowed them to do for machshiri, Rabbi Shimon is saying anything that they allowed you to do that isn't part of the actual kor avodah, they only allowed you to do things that wouldn't be a violation outside the Beit HaMikdash, so people won't get confused. The avodah itself, people know, they're only allowed to do shechita and all this and bishul and everything for korbanot. But, but, but tying a harp string, you say, well, I know that I tied it out in the Beit HaMikdash for my harp, so what's the problem I tie it out outside? What's the difference? So he said, or, but on the other hand, if they, if they said he could put a band-aid on, Right, even though it's uh, even though it gives refuah, so the worst comes to worst. The guy does that at home; it's an isur de rabbanan. But here, where we're talking about something that would be an isur de oraita, it would be worse. Okay, and the, and, and the Tosfot explains. He says that this is what he says. Afalpi, the Tosfot here, the last Tosfot, he says that Rabbi Shimon said to the Tanakh, Afalpi shemekela ni bemachshich chutzach tchum. Even though I'm lenient about a guy who gets stuck outside the tchum, the Tosfot says says machmir ani benimata kinor. I'm more stringent about the uh, string of the harp, right? Because it's the hatam lav kulahu. 
Because over by the, the tchum, it's not really a leniency that I'm giving you. I'm telling you the reality. I'm just telling you there's a markup on the tchum, just like in a, pr- a price. You're actually still in the tchum. That's why I'm letting you do it. Now I'm not giving you leniency. He says, but here, he says, Here too, they're only letting you do what you could already do. Okay, so he says, and the reason why they waited till here is because they first wanted to say all of the different things that you're allowed to do in the Beit HaMikdash, but not in the outside the Beit HaMikdash. And then Rabbi Shimon comes and says, by the way, things that they allowed you to do can only be things that at worst would be rabbinic prohibitions. It can't be doing something in the Beit HaMikdash that outside the Beit HaMikdash, if you did it, it would be Yisrael Jeoraita, because there we could get confused. And Hadan Allah HaMotzi Tfilin. And the conclusion of Masechet Eruvin, and the conclusion of Masechet Eruvin, tomorrow uh, we would begin Masechet Psachim, which is uh, much easier than Masechet Eruvin. It doesn't have as many of the visuals uh, components, and so it's a little bit smoother sailing. And the best part of Masechet Psachim this year is that it's finishing just a few days before Pesach. So that way, not only do we get the benefit of having uh, for the Tanit of the firstborn, we have a fast, but you practice, you already, you just review the last parak of Masachib Sachim is all about the Seder. So you're going to learn all of the halachot of the Seder and everything is going to be fresh just days before and you're going to go right into the holiday, 100% Bezad Hashem, prepared for that. So it's great, it's great advantage actually. And we fulfill the mitzvah also of Shloshim Yom, Kodem Lechag. You're supposed to learn 30 days before the holiday, all the laws of the holiday, we're going to be finished. Finishing that last part, just as we're getting up to uh, Bessah. Yeah.